What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Bus Driver Experience, episode 16, and I'm hoping everybody has a great week, and this is your favorite place to get your week started off right, but if it isn't, I get it. You just don't really value and appreciate this great program, because it's it's a great program. We have a great program here at the Bus Driver Experience, and to everybody who's listening to this show, and everybody who already is subscribed to this show, thank you so much for being a staunch supporter, and even critic of the Bus Driver Experience. And if you are new to this channel, if you are a brand new listener, welcome to the Bus Driver Experience. Welcome to a place where conversation is happening with incredible people from all around the planet about amazing, incredible things that these people do. And my guest today is nothing short but amazing. She is a long, long-time friend and even a coach of mine. I know, it's crazy. I've been a basketball player forever. Seems like I've always had a coach, and I think coaching is a monumental part of someone's life, and it's something that everybody needs a great look into. My guest today is Amy Bernstein. She specializes in breakthrough coaching, collaborative teams and cultures, mindfulness, in-action training, and personal transformation. She has worked with companies all around the world and massive corporations along the likes of Chanel, Colgate, Ritz-Carlton, the Port of Singapore Authority, Port Authority, MasterCard, Microsoft, you name them, she's worked with them, and she's even worked with individuals on private coaching and training practices. This helps people leap into the next best versions of themselves, and I am a massive testament and can agree with all that, that has been said. She specializes in helping people in their constant transformation, and this is not just alone in the business world. But this is in our society today. Our world is ever rapidly changing. It's on the move. It's on the go. And like we talk about in the show, this might be the most stressful time employees and workers have been in a time where things are supposed to be better. Jobs supposed to be a lot less. Your workload's supposed to be a lot less. So today we're going to talk about what's going on in the workspace, what's going on in our society, in our civilization, our culture itself. And how we can make that move and how we can make that transition. And remember, it all starts with self-love. I can't move forward if I don't love myself. And I can't appreciate who I am to take in love from all you guys and the rest of the world. So without further ado, we're going to jump into today's episode with Amy Bernstein. Guys, today's show is going to be a little different. I'm joined by not just a former coach of mine, still my coach. We're, we're due for a long, long, long overdue session. And I can say a friend of mine is Amy Bernstein. She's a life and business coach and consultant. And she's worked for the likes of Microsoft, Chanel, Ritz-Carlton, Intel, and many, many, many other companies, as well as many individuals all around the world. And I want to bring her on the show today. And we want to talk about not just areas of stress, but how we can mitigate and deal with ourselves in this ever-changing world, in this ever-changing place. We're trying to figure out who we are, and we have so much more time now to figure out who we are as a people, as a society, and a civilization. So Amy, welcome on the bus. So happy to have you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Long overdue, and we, we came together uh, through my mom, actually. She had put me, um, you've been a friend of the family for a very long time. We've mm-hmm. had like coaching sessions. And I remember this is like a really, really big part of my life after I was going to step away from the game of basketball. And I really 
wasn't sure what I was going to do next. It was just one of those, where do you go from here? What do you do? And, you know, I don't know if I told you this too, but I mean, I know our, our sessions together were really great. And having a session with you was really great because right away you were able to see through that layer of BS that I'm good at putting up in front of other people and people really are good at, I know, believing it or I'm really good at selling it. And, you know, I want to start off right there. You know, what, what is your techniques and trade or even like, let's go into your background that maybe that I missed about who you are and uh, how you came into doing what you did. See, um, when I was real young in my twenties, I was a school teacher in the Bronx in a ghetto. And um, I was a music teacher because I had been a singer and I recognized that I was more interested in finding out who these kids were inside and helping them than I was in just teaching them music. I ended up falling in love one day in Central Park and going to Northern California, Marin County. And uh, there I was teaching and I started singing in a rock gospel band that ended up doing like front act for Crosby, Stills and Nash and some of the guys from the Grateful Dead. <laughs> you know, it was a whole other wonderful experience. That was the time to do it. <laughs> yeah, it was a wonderful experience. You know, my father then sat me down and said to me with his big cigar, he said to me, you're either going to get married or you're going to get a career. So I ended up going to get my master's degree at Boston University, and I interned at Massachusetts General Hospital under the auspices of Harvard Medical School. Um, there I met a guy, Dr. Matt Dumont, who was the commissioner of mental health for the state of Massachusetts. And his wife was a poet. You know, he was into Zen. During that time, I started opening up to more than just psychology, but also um, you know, biofeedback, hypnosis, all those gestalt therapy, all those kind of things that were happening in those days. I always had a sense of the spiritual. When I was a little girl, it's probably more than you want to hear, but when I was a little girl, I saw my angels. <laughs> and um, that has been with me my whole life. So having an education that was traditional and then starting to move into non-traditional ways of looking at people and understanding people was important for me. I then moved back to California and um, was working with uh, kids from juvenile probation and ended up going into employee assistance companies and started the first stress education school in Marin County called the Living Arts School. Um, I trained with a teacher, a master teacher named Robert Nadeau, who's an eighth Don Aikido master. And I had learned meditation early on, like when I was 17 years old or so. But this guy blew my brain because he wasn't just talking the stuff. See, most people talk it, you know. This guy would, with him, I would have experience that I couldn't understand. It didn't register with my cognitive mind. But yet, I was having these experiences of um, me as an energy body. And that's really what he was teaching. More than the techniques of Aikido, he was teaching how to open your human system, your mind-body system, to the universal system. And that truly what we were, were energy. Now, that sounds woo-woo, but Einstein said the same. We're all energy, and that's all there is to it. Okay. So this guy um, taught an inner map. And... 
as you practice this inner map, you would begin to open up to this energy. You recognize that the energy was the energy of change. So when pressure came on you, here's like three guys coming at you, you know, you'd want to tense, but what you learn to do is to open and align to this energy, this flow coming through you. And as you opened, you would become more spacious. And as you were more spacious, you were as big as the job. So once you were big as the job, you could handle it. This training changed my life, totally changed my life. As a, as a kid, I had petite mal, which is a form of epilepsy. I grew out of it, but I would get dizzy still. What he taught me was how to ground my energy and how to open to it. So that was that was probably one of the most important things I ever learned in my life. I then took that work. I became interested in how does power work? And in this country, the way you study power is either in politics or in corporations. I didn't want to do politics, so I went into corporations. And um, I started learning about how do they really work? So initially, I came in and had a company called... Um, Women's Development Company, because I wanted to take women through the, through the um, glass ceiling. But I realized I was getting lip service. They were giving me women's leadership conferences, but they wouldn't actually change the way they dealt with minorities or women. So I changed my name to Amy Bernstein and Associates, and then I started getting um, CEOs talking to me. And then I changed my name again. You know, my DBA became Open Minded Ventures because I realized I was seeing things it, not just out of the box, but kind of out of the sphere. And that was interesting to me. So I brought that work to corporations for many, many, many years. That's my story. Sticking to it. <laughs> A long spanning story. I mean, there's so many things I want to unpack right there. And um, it's interesting because I think, as you say, you taught, we worked with you know a lot of youth. And then I just right away rationaled that to me and working with me and just, you know, having the patience to, to, just look at the layers of people and say, oh, these are defensive. This is just someone putting this this wall up before I can actually work with them and how they can let me in and we can push past that stuff to really get to the true person. And, you know, the way I could relate that to, especially with basketball, you talked about being able to use the energy and not tensing up and watching people in high intense, uh, high stress situations, just be able to, oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to slowly glide with it. I'm going to give a little bit so I can push all the way back into it. I feel like, you know, I, I'm able to move that way in that space, but you know, other spaces that you know, I'm not as confident or don't have the experience, you know, of a feel in it. Cause that's the biggest thing people don't want to look at the woo woo. They don't want to find a way. They want to be able to put rationale to their world. You know, they can't put an explanation to it. There's just nothing there. And it just yeah. they can't, be can't be real. Yeah. Two things that you said. One is, you know, great teachers see the opening in the student. You know, every one of us has an opening. You don't teach, treat people the same way. You know, what works for you is not going to work for the next guy. So a good teacher knows how to move with that person's energy so that they can begin to uh, see the world through their perspective and then lead them somewhere else, you know. I think, though, in terms of the second thing that you said, is that everybody has had an experience 
of being their bigger self, whatever that means to you, you know, where you just feel, you, you know, things come out of your mouth and you're brilliant and you don't even know how you said it. But, you know, whether it's on a basketball court, whether it's in a, a, a teaching experience, I mean, whatever the, you know, with your girlfriend, it doesn't matter, you know. We all have that experience where we just open up and we are brilliant. The problem is we don't know how we got there. So we don't know how to repeat it. Meaning, I mean, not the exact experience, but meaning we don't know how to step into that larger uh, sense of ourselves. And um, that's what this guy, Robert Nadeau, gave me. Mm-hmm. He taught me He taught me this inner map, which said, this is how you step in, you know? And once you practice it, it becomes part of your nervous system. So instead of shrinking, you open, mm-hmm. open. And there are things that you can do to keep you open or when you know you're in a high pressure situation or you're going to make a presentation or you're going to go do something, going on a first date, whatever it is that, that makes you nervous. You, there are things that you can do to open yourself up to become that bigger version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So we all know it. We just don't know how to... Um, to take what we know and put it, translate it to other situations. I totally agree. And the teaching thing is a, is a big, important thing. And uh, one of the biggest problems, um, I wouldn't say problem, but you know, one of the biggest issues in our country, it's just who are the people that we want you know, in front of the children of our country or in any country around the world? And how can we train these people to bring on and not just educate, you know, but create good people, create people, and I mean, we're good as they have to be a certain way, but just how to be, you know, overall contributing members because, you know, the way they think and the philosophies they have to, to work and live together with people around them. And I think that's just like one of the massive things missing is what you claim, like experience and putting people, there's a great quote by one of the former guests in our show. It's, you need to be able to engineer certain levels of stress into your life. I don't think we need to put hard extremes on kids in schools, but there's so much situations and real world experience that we don't have. Yeah. I I would say I would differ. My point of view is a little different. I think that um, pressure and stress are different. Mm. You need pressure, like you need pressure in your tire, right? But you don't need your tire to be stressed. You need pressure in your life in order to motivate you, in order to pump you up into that bigger version of yourself. But you don't want to be stressed. Because under stress, you're going to go into your reactive mode. So, and, so, and stress creates disease. Mm-hmm. Stress creates jerky statements. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, so you want people to understand pressure and be able to handle that, but not stress. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that um, what is going on is that we are in accelerated change. So... What that means, you know, you turn on the television and you see the politics or you see the climate change or you see the gun stuff or you see, I mean, you know, there's all this stuff going on right now. And you see the political parties, which are all the way to the right, all the way to the left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we need to understand it from a universal point of view. So here comes this energy of change, right? And it hits us like a pendulum. And what we're trying to find is the center in it. Yeah. So to be able to handle the center, 
requires that we, instead of reacting to the energy, begin to connect with it, open, aligned with it, so that more can come in our system. But right now, this energy of change, this evolutionary change is affecting people. So what they do is they go off to their heads and they tell their story, just like you said, you know. And the stories, then my story is different than your story. My story is better than yours. You know, yours, you don't know. You don't have as much experience. I'm older than you. You, you know what I mean? It's all like, but really it's about, no, 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 get out of the story. The story comes from your ego, comes from your personality. This is just a software program, and it plays over and over and over again. So your software might, might be different than mine, no better, no worse, but it's playing over and over and over again. So you believe it. I believe it, right? Don't believe everything you think. It's just a software program. What you want to do is you want to take the elevator down. It's like you've been living in this apartment building. You're in the penthouse. You have this great view. You have this great vision. You see the woman walking down the street. You know, you have great ideas. Okay. You see what she's wearing, but you don't smell her perfume. And when she passes the guy and they give this little, you know, kind of flirtatious little thing, you don't feel it. Because you're in your head. You need to take the elevator down to the basement or the sub-basement. As you go down, you start picking up your feelings. You start picking up your intuition. You start picking up you're able to ground yourself in your true values of what it means to be human. Now you're playing with a full deck. You know what I mean? Now it's not about your software program. You are sensing, feeling, your perceptions are so much bigger. You're finding a truth that is bigger, you know? Yeah, everybody is definitely more inside their own head and conflating their own unique stories. And, you know, we're breaking off and branching off into our own little subcategories or, you know, even to, to races or religions or genders now. It's like, oh, my story's here. I'm going to go off where my story is. And, you know, I'm a victim of this myself. You know, I think I'm so... My ego is it's is holding me hostage right now. My ego is just strangling me, keeping me in my head, and I like can't get down. I can't get, like to the elevator. That was a great, great, uh, great analogy for it. But like, yeah, it, it's 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 so tough. It's even tough when you're aware of it. When you know, like, oh man, okay. I don't know. If everybody's completely aware of it, but it's just like, how how do I get back down? How do I get out of that head and deflate that ego? Yeah. I mean, the first thing is congratulations that you can even call that off, you know, because a lot of people can't or won't. Yeah. Second thing is to get out of your head, you need to put your attention inside your body. So if you would just sense, feel what you feel, just notice what you feel, feel where you are, you know, and you start noticing, okay, my shoulders are tight. Or, okay, I'm not breathing very deeply. Or, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm leaning to the front, not the back. You don't have to fix anything yet. You don't have to do anything yet. See, we're, we're a world of doers. You know, we got do, 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 and now make it happen. You know, no, 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 no. You got to stop doing. <laughs> you got to stop doing and let it come through the natural part of you that is there all the time that you're covering up with all the doing. So first you just need to feel, just feel where you are and notice 
It's like if you and I were going to go into the woods and we had never been to this, these woods before we were hiking, right? First thing we would do was when we parked the car, we noticed like where, where the car is. Oh, there's some trees here. There's blah, blah, blah. You know, then as we walk, you know, we, oh yeah. Okay. There's the big oak tree on the left. And as we keep walking, there's the Creek on the right. And then as we keep walking, there's the field of flowers, right? So we would make these landmarks to know where we are and how to get back. Yeah. You do the same thing inside you. Okay, so I start off. Oh, I have a tendency to, you know, my back hurts. That's my tendency. Or, oh, I tend to do this. Or, oh, I tend to breathe shallowly. Oh, okay, that's just your starting point. Okay, that's where you park the car. (laughs) Okay, now let's take an inner journey. Okay, now let's just start to breathe. Ah, Breathe into that part. You know, breathe into your spine. See, modern life has us forward into our to-do list, into our smartphones, into our computers, into our social media, into our, everything is out there, into how I appear to the world, you know? Mm. Okay. So you want to find the back, breathe into your back. (sighs) And as you start breathing into your back, it starts to soften. And you might even notice, oh, what would it be like if I had angel wings? Big, wide angel wings coming from my shoulder blades, you know? Oh, I'm wider than I thought I was. You know, as you keep sense feeling inside, oh, what does it feel like for the underside of my body? You know, under my arms, under my butt, under my thighs, just kind of feeling and just just put your attention there. You see, your attention, I call it free agent eye because you can go anywhere right? It can go into you. So I know what you feel, think, want. It can go into my head. It can go into my heart. It can go anywhere. Okay. Take this attention, put it in your butt, put it in your thighs. As you start feeling in your thighs, what you'll start noticing, you know, is as you start noticing the chair, let gravity take you into the chair. Let yourself get heavy. Okay. You start feeling that heaviness. Oh, now you're taking the elevator down. Oh, can you feel your feet on the ground? I, you know, I had this one guy, CEO from a construction company I was working with, Canadian construction company. And he was always running from one interview to the next, you know, one place to the next, one client to the next, right? He's running, running, running. And um, I said to him, imagine, pretend you have elephant feet. Big, wide, strong, thick elephant feet. Elephants usually don't run very fast. They walk, you know, very, very heavy, you know, <laughs> right? Right? That's how an elephant guy walks. Okay. Yeah. I said, so when you get out of your car, just walk with elephant feet. You'll get to the meeting on time. You don't have to run. Just feel your feet. And what would happen is he'd get to the meeting on time and he'd feel like he was more here and out of his head because he began to ground himself. So here's the thing. Bruce Lee said, under duress, we do not rise to our expectations. We fall to our level of training. You need to practice. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. You need to practice doing this in the stupidest of ways. That's how my teacher taught it to us. Dumb, stupid little ways. Don't wait for the big things in your life, you know? Get out of the car, walk an elephant feed. Sit down by the computer. Okay, before you just... 
feel your butt in the chair, feel your underside, feel your thighs, you know, uh, you feel yourself coming forward, oh, now you have angel wings, soften the back as if something was back there like clouds or pillows or, oh, your lover was holding you in his arms or her arms, you know, you can just kind of, uh, yeah, and all of a sudden you have a back, just like the spine is the physical structure of the body, this energy field in the back is the thing that keeps you whole. Where, where would this have come from? Because it seems like we're all trying to give off this outward appearance of we want to, we want to look like we're busy. We want to look like we're getting stuff done. I mean, I'm, I'm a victim of this too. Like, Oh, Hey, like you said, you know, work, 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 work. Hey, I'm over here doing this. I'm over here doing that that appearance that we need to give off. Has that always been a thing? No, it's become the badge of honor, particularly for millennials. There's a recent study that showed something like, I can't remember the exact number, but it was about 40% of millennials don't want to take a lunch break because they're afraid that they won't look productive. And if they don't look productive, then, and they don't, and they're not busy, then people won't think they're promotable or they're high performers or, you know, they're important. And millennial bosses, more than any other generation bosses, don't want people to take lunch hours. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's like, wait a second, you guys. <laughs> Look what you're doing to yourself, you know. It's like, that's not the truth. It's not the truth, you know. I, I mean, that's the thing about, to me, and. I don't care what generation you're playing in, you know? We're on this planet, I believe, to experience creation creating itself. I'm part of creation. I'm experiencing myself create, expand, grow. That's what life is about, right? You're not the same as you were when you were 16. You're a better version of yourself at 21 than you were at 16 or 30 or whatever your age is, you know? So, okay, but here's the game. It's like you're going to put your energy out there at this make-believe thing because hoo-hoo, or are you going to get the real stuff? You know, put your energy into really sense-feeling, practicing, connecting with that real inner big S self. You know, there's the big S and there's the small S. The small S is your ego. The big S is what all of us are made of inside. And that's pure consciousness. That's the, that's the energy of the Big Bang. That energy has all qualities within it. Right? Everything you need is right there inside you already. The thing is, most of us never learn to connect with it. Because, you know, that's not, it's not what we did. We didn't practice that kind of self-love. We learn to love others right? That's what the church said. That's what the parents say. That's what the teacher, love others, right? But if you start to love yourself, some people learned, oh, world is threatening. So what you got to do is you got to like love yourself in the hell with everybody else. 
you know, that's narcissism, that's entitlement, you know, that's ego, that's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that stuff, that real stuff where you step into the flow of it, you open up to it, and that's where you're brilliant, you know, that's where you, that's where the great ideas come from, and, and you know, you stepping out and doing this podcast stuff, you know, I remember when you, if this is okay for me to say, I remember when you started, you know, it was like, wait, can I actually do this? Can I, everybody else is telling me, no, no, I should do like da, 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 da. You know what I mean? That's what it is to, you know, to be a grown up or something like that, you know? And you had the guts to follow your intuition, you know? Mm-hmm. Actually, that's this big self talking to you. Well, it's funny because like where, how, where and how does this little S take over, this ego of ours? Because, you know, it's not just with me because I'm, you know, as much as I have, again, that big S that can speak to me, I've always been able to follow my dreams and passions and, you know, been able to say, oh, if I want to go do this, I want to love this person, I want to go off and conquer this thing. Like, I don't care what the world says, you know, it's, there's that blind ambition that's there. And then they'll call that the big S. But, you know, that, that small S, the ego will call it just finds its way to the top. And how, how is it able to stranglehold or like, you know, suppress the bigger ass all the time. And I think that's for a lot of people. Yeah. First of all, I would say that when you're in the big ass, it's not following your ambition. We are human beings. When you're following that intuition, you're in your being. That's the big S. You're in that flow. You know, your soul's talking to you. Your purpose is talking to you, right? When you're in your head, you're following your ambition. Okay. Now, the truth is, nobody I know lives 24-7 from big S. We've all got ego. You know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, I mean, even, I, I don't know, I wasn't there that I remember, but even Christ supposedly on the, on the cross said, God, why did you forsake me? That's his, that's just this. That's not, right? That's not his inner, his big S, right? So, You know, unless you're Buddha, Christ, whoever, you know, I mean, most people are not living there 24-7. And I've been with a bunch of spiritual teachers, and I tell you, they're not living there (laughs) 24-7. I can tell you stories. But, um, you know, so here's the thing. First, you need to know how your ego operates. What is this personality thing? How do you how, what how do you do it? You know? So, you know, I teach the Enneagram because it's a good personality tool to understand these are my patterns. What this is, is how I usually deal with pressure. What's that? What is this Enneagram thing you're talking about? Yeah, we did the Enneagram together. You, could you explain I remember could you explain to everybody else what an Enneagram is? Yeah, Enneagram is a personality tool. It comes from spiritual practice from Sufis, which is the spiritual part of Islam from um, the Kabbalah, which is the spiritual part of the, for the Jews, Christianity. It's a mix of all this stuff. And this guy, Oscar Ichazo, um, Argentinian guy in the 1960s or so, created this thing, Eureka, and um, was the first, first personal development uh, organization. And he brought the Enneagram to people. And um, Claudio Naranjo taught a lot of these teachers The Enneagram describes nine personality types, nine ways of thinking, being, behaving in the world. And it shows this is your worldview, all right? So when you're a kid, 
you don't have a thinking mind. You don't have abstract thinking, the child. What you do is you kind of intuit sense and you sense around you and you come up with a worldview, you know. From that worldview comes a coping strategy. How do, how do I stay? Kids need two things, to stay safe and to be loved. So this, they come up with a coping strategy just intuitively. Right? The Enneagram describes this is where your attention goes. Here's your core desire. Here's your core um, uh, fear. Um, you know, here's, here's your leadership, your, your good traits, your leadership aspects, um, how you deal with stress, anger, your stress and anger triggers, you know, lots of stuff about your personality. And I have found it the most profound and practical tool. I don't use Myers-Briggs or DISC or any of those. I use the Enneagram because um, whereas the other, the other uh, personality stuff puts you in a box, the Enneagram says, here's the box you're living in and here's the way out. And I like that. So, okay, now you know, okay, this is how I function. Great. Okay, so you have some self-awareness. You need self-awareness plus hereness or presence creates the skillful action, right? That's when you're not chasing ambition, ambition chases you, meaning you're not chasing fame. Fame comes to you when you magnetize it, right? So there's all this law of attraction stuff, but unless you are actually embodied and open and spacious, it's just a good idea. So, um, so yes, you know how you think, so you can catch yourself when you're going off into your stories. You can catch yourself when you're in your ego. Okay, then the next thing you need to do is you need to shift to the mind-body. And, the way and that's the practice. The way. And so once you're, you're, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Brendan. It's uh, the self-reflection that I think that a lot of people don't get to go back and reflect on after a long day or after this, that you know, when you go back and you catch yourself, oh man, I was just talking to this person. I was just talking about myself and I was talking about this and that and just like telling, you would say called telling your story. It's like, oh man. <laughs> but never, not everybody catches themselves like that. Not everybody can reflect. I know. That's, that's part of the practice to begin to um, pause a lot, you know, before you before you comment on what the other person says or before you tell the story, get down to the lobby again. You know what I mean? Now from that perspective, now you have a choice. Do you want to tell or don't you want to tell? You know, that's why it's, you know, I think that um, there is this disfavor or this thing that's going on that I think is really unhealthy. We think, you know, I, I think Lady Gaga got it right. You know, shallow. <laughs> you know, are you longing for something else? Right? She got it right, you know. I think five minutes, two minutes, you know, meditate two minutes, five minutes, take a take. All that's great stuff, and it does. Neuroscience does. It says, yeah, it does make a difference in the brain. But, you know, here's the tsunami of change, evolutionary times. Two minutes here, five minutes here, it ain't enough. You're fooling yourself. You know, if you want to really deliver something of value to people, not just make money, have fame, you know, but if you really want to deliver something of value and contribute, 
You can only do that in relationship to who you are. The more you connect it with you and something larger than yourself, the more you can contribute. I, you know, when I was a kid and um, I was doing rock stuff, I met a lot of famous rock and rollers and they had tons of money and they had tons of fame, but they weren't necessarily happy, you know, and they didn't necessarily have, um, you know, yeah, they knew how to perform on stage and how to do that act, you know, but you get them back off, off the stage and they were as lost as, if not more lost than many. So, you know, I really encourage people to make a commitment to your larger self, to discover who you truly, truly are, you know, and put the time in to practice it. No, completely hit the nail on the head. Um, but, I mean, that, that's the problem. We're told, you know, healthy diet, meditate, um, you know, find time for yourself, find time for the people in your life, uh, get a good support network. But, you know, sometimes, like, that's it's not enough. You know, like you say, these two minutes or five minutes, you know, people say, oh, take a two-minute, five-minute break. It's not enough. You know, it's, it's, it's not enough. Is it going to a coach? Is it going, um, you know? quitting your job for six months and going off, you know, and doing something completely different. Is it going off and taking on a new role or job in life and society that you normally wouldn't want to do? I mean, what, what else, what else is needed? Um, you know, I'm a fan of yoga and I'm a fan of meditation and I think a sport system is very important. All that stuff that you said, good sleep, no, good nutrition, but you can't do yoga poses in between back to back meetings and how many people go to the gym every night. You know, and even if you've meditated and you're feeling really good in the morning and then you get on um, the highway to go to work and there's a traffic jam and you're late for your interview or you're late for your new client or you're late, you're not in the Zen zone anymore, you know. So all those things are wonderful or changing your job or taking a vacation. I mean, that, you know, all of that is great stuff. Okay. But here's the thing. You need to be able to shift to a larger version of yourself in a heartbeat. You need to know how to open that way. You know, get out of here. And I find for myself, there are days I wake up and I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to go to bed. I don't know. I don't know squat. Okay, but I'm doing a presentation or I'm going to see an important client. Or, so I do an energy practice of ah, 10% more here, 20% more here. You know, uh, these, I call up the qualities in my system and I open up. So I have a practice that when I'm having a hard time shifting, whew, I have a practice that I can do that opens me up so that I can then do whatever the job requires, you know. But I think each one of us needs to be able to shift Quickly learn how to shift into the next best version of yourself. You know, and part of that is energetic, and part of it is you know I, I, I'm running a group right now um, for women. Um, it's a women's uh, coaching and mastermind group, and um, it's called the Roar of the More. And what I find is that um, a lot of people are not okay with being too big. 
Yes, they can pretend, you know, oh, I got lots of money, I'm somebody. Oh, I got a high-powered job, oh, I'm somebody. But the real opening up to really being more, we're not used to. We don't even know that we have permission to be that much, you know? So um, I think that you also need to take a look at what are your belief systems? You know, what, what do you really believe, you know? Because... If you believe that being somebody, what this life is about is achieving a bunch of money and, and having a high-powered position, you know, and then everything will be fine, you're going to get disappointed. Mm-hmm. I have nothing against money. Let it come and just flow for, out of my, you know, through my house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bring it on. <laughs> Bring me more. Yes. You know, so I'm fine with money. It's just that that's not what's going to define you because ultimately what will happen is it still won't feel right. It's got to come from in here and then you magnetize it. It's amazing what begins to happen as you shift into the next version of yourself. So I'm not asking you to go from here to here, you know, from here I'm an ego place and then I'm there. No, what you want to do is going to go from here to there. And then when you go from there, then you get to that one. And then you get to that one. And then you get to that one. It's like part of the work we did together was transitions. Do you remember that, Brendan? Mm-hmm. I gave, gave you the, the yeah. stages of transition. I'll have that diagram. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting stuff. When, so you know, okay, I'm going through transition. What's, people go, what's wrong with me? Things aren't working in my life, you know? And uh, they can't control it. See, we believe that control is... Everybody wants control, moi included, right? Everybody wants control. Okay. But you get to a certain point where you start realizing, you know, there is no control. Control begins when you give it up. Because when you give it up and stop going to your ego and you're pushing and striving, that's when the flow comes in, you know? You want to be like with that, like that sailboat in the, in the wind, you know, and trust that life is taking you where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Do you, you see entrepreneurs really, really suffer with this a little bit more than um, maybe people working in um, working for others? That's, you know, still uh, people who are uh, independent business owners. Because I think, you know, I definitely, when you aren't at the, when you don't feel like, oh, wow the wind is pushing at my back right now, like the sail, that it can be a lot more difficult to let go of that control and to let go and say, oh, life is taking me on these moving with this. I, I understand. I mean, I'm a consultant, you know, so there are times in my business, and I'm a coach, right? There are times in my business where I have so much business. I mean, how am I going to get it all done? And there are times in my business where nobody's knocking on my door. And it's very easy then as the entrepreneur to go, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? I'm not enough. Something's wrong with me. No, 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 no. Those are just, that's what society laid on you. That isn't the truth. The the truth is that there are periods when it has to empty out. You know, it's kind of like, like an arrow, when you want to do it, do an arrow, you pull it all the way back and then it can shoot forward. Mm-hmm. In life, like in those transitions, what begins to happen is it becomes to, you begin to empty out. Things don't quite work 
the way you want it to work. You know, you can't force your will. You try, you're working overtime, you're doing everything you think you, they say, oh, you wrote your goals, you, you know what I mean? You networked, you did everything you said you were supposed to do. It's still not happening. What's wrong with you? The list is full and cross everything you're, off. <laughs> you're just emptying out and you're going, and what will happen is you'll end up in downtime. Now, people don't like downtime. You can get a little depressed. You can get a little scared. You can get anxious. You can get, you know, downtime. Nothing's happening. Okay. You know, and some people even get thoughts in downtime like, uh, oh, I, I'm supposed to kill myself. No, no, you're not supposed to kill your physical body. That's not the message. The message is you're going through an identity death. That's the true message. Don't hurt the physical body. You're going through an identity death. Okay, what you want to do is trust. Meditate, take a walk in the woods, you know. Listen to music. Do whatever you do that just cools you out. Help somebody else, you know. Eventually, what will happen is the energy will begin to pick up. And you need to follow the clues then. You know, I I had an experience yesterday. Where um, I went to this nonprofit uh, event. They give this organization gives ten thousand dollars to different nonprofits, and they called in all the consultants and stuff. And we had to give a one minute pitch, and you know, okay. So I thought I got there early, but I ended up going to the wrong place. And thank heavens, the CEO of the organization was there and she told me where the actual meeting was. Okay, I wanted to get there really early to be one of the first speakers. And, you know, I got there. I was like number two from the end, right, of people who spoke. I figured by the time they, um, by the time they came to me, nobody's going to even care anymore, right? But what ended up happening was being one of the last speakers was actually better because, um, you know, I opened up. I was really spacious. I told them who I've worked with, blah, blah, blah. And a woman approaches me from an organization. I don't want to say the name yet, but an organization that I want to work with, you know, and says, oh, I want to do culture change with you. Oh, great. Now, if I would have been first or second, she might not have listened to me so much because she would have said, oh, she would have thought that there were others that were going to come up to that level of my pitch. You know what I mean? But by the end, she was, she was like, it was like, blah, 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 blah. So now she notices me. The point of my story is that even when you think you're messing up, trust it. Mm. Trust it. You know, there's always a lesson in it always a valuable lesson in it and if you can get that that opens you up to the next thing and sometimes it's not just the lesson but you actually find the gold you know Mm -hmm. so just follow the clues that life brings and if you're not getting the clues ask for them okay could you please bring me a clue i need a clue that's the thing i love actually about social media the one of the benefits of it is the amount of inspirational or you know content so to say you can be putting out there into the world whatever your your message your shtick or your brand or who you are what you want to say today and because of the reach that we have through the internet is you really don't know who that's going to touch you really don't know how 
that could possibly potentially inspire someone to to do something great or to to be better for themselves or for the people around them so it's yeah it, that's it's true really beautiful things that's true you know i i when i wrote my book here's my book stress less achieve more <laughs> when i wrote my book i spoke to a guy named peter block peter block is one of the most brilliant people i know and Peter Block is a consultant. He wrote the Bible for consulting, you know, this flawless consulting. And he was the guy that really brought empowerment to organizations. He's just brilliant, the guy. Now he does stuff on community. But he said to me, Amy, he said, it doesn't matter whether you sell millions of books or you sell four books. Because the four books that you sell could change four people's lives. And isn't that worth doing? And I went, yeah. That put it in a whole different perspective for me, you know? It wasn't about being an Amazon bestseller. It was about making my contribution to the world, helping somebody else, you know? That, that brings meaning to me. Yeah, you have such an amazing way of explaining things, whether it's through stories or uh, metaphors or uh, analogies. And... I, I think, you know, you're able to write a book like this because you, and it's interesting because you've been working in the corporate and business world for, you know, like you said, since the seventies, correct? Mm -hmm. And so you have, you have to have seen such a big transformation and change. And I think like the biggest misconception is that, you know, business owners, CEOs, they've all been interested in the, the practices to better the lives of themselves and their employees for the longest time, you know, especially when we went through that spiritual, that spiritual, I want to say awakening in the sixties into the seventies, every much more aware studying of Eastern medicines and philosophies and just other philosophies from around the world is that how do we bring this in to the workplace? It can't just be about burning people out and using them as machines. So what has been like the biggest transformation and change since you've started in the space? Yeah, I would say, by the way, that um, people in workplace today are more burnt out than ever. 96% right. of all senior leaders at some level are burnt out. And um, millennials are changing their job more than any other group of people. They change more quickly. There's not the loyalty to the company because they're getting burnt out. What, I mean, what's happened is... We're living in disruptive times. So AI, digitization, globalization, right? Those changes have changed every business. You can't do business like you did it in 2000. You know, you, you, you have to keep changing or else you can't, you're gonna, you can't survive. So they always have these change initiatives. You know, think out of, think, think new stuff, new, you know. And people are just getting burnt out. And then they don't hire enough people because, hey, they want to give money to the stock stockholders. You know, so there's not enough people to do the job in many of the companies. You know, and now there's 24-7 access to everybody. You know, so people don't have, don't feel, they don't feel like they have a life anymore. The good news, the good news is if millennials use their voices, <laughs> just like they're using their voices with climate change, you know, if millennials use their voices to actually say, this is not okay, 
See, organizations now will do wellness programs. We'll give you yoga. We'll give you a gym. We'll give you some meditation. But the thing is, is that you're not going to go to the gym or to the meditation because, hey, your boss isn't going. So you want to be like your boss so he thinks you're high stuff, you know, so you're not going to go because you don't want to look bad until the bosses make the change and start going to the meditation, (laughs) right? You know, until that kind of stuff happens, nothing changes. There was one guy, I wrote about him in my book, a guy named Tim Arnst, who's the senior vice president um, uh, of HR International for um, Universal Studios Orlando. And what he did is he recognized in companies what happens is the C-suite come up with this strategy, you know, and then they tell the next level VP, and then it goes down to the next level, down to the next level. As it keeps going down, like the telephone thing, it's not quite the same. It shifts a little bit. And by the time people get the news of what this is, they don't have any idea how their work actually makes a contribution. It's just like busy work to them. There's no pleasure in it. There's no meaning in it. So what Tim did is he gathered his whole HR department together, including secretaries and coordinators and everybody, you know, and said, okay, here's the strategy. Here's the HR strategy, you know, and now let me tell you how your job fits into all this and why you're important and why you make a difference here. And he said to me at the end of that meeting, people came up to him and just thanked him. They never knew that their job made a difference. You know, they felt like people want to be acknowledged. They want to have respect. You know, people need to feel an emotional connection. And when you're going zoom, 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 those things, those things go away. The best companies keep that stuff going. The best companies sit down with their people and say, look, I know you got a lot on your plate. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you an, an out of the, uh, you get out of jail card for the next day or two days. You know what I mean? Or we won't give you the major piece to do because let you have a little downtime. You know, they recognize there's a flow that people need to go through. They can't stay productive like this all the time. So I don't know. I really don't know. I think some companies are making a difference, but I think it's a long way to go. It's funny the way you said it, because I, I, I poke holes in that, because I, I don't have a normal job um, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, working from home from the laptop here and there. And, you know, and I take tours of people's offices sometimes with friends. They're like, oh, we have this and we have this over here. Oh, look. And it's like, like the beer on Friday one always was like the funniest thing to me. Like, oh, they let us drink beer. on. They let us wear regular clothes on Friday. I'm like... <laughs> Oh my God. You know what you sound like? It's like Stockholm syndrome. And, and on Tuesdays, they let us go home 20 minutes early. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's, it's like that little level of, again, just not knowing, um, not, 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 not knowing, but not being aware of, of the potential. Like I said, not of just of themselves, but you know, the, the access to information that we have and the ability to go and do the things that, you know, we really want to do in today's day and age. There's so much potential on that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that they mean well when they give out the beer and the this and the that. They mean well. The problem is they think that they should know what other people need and want. And that's 
bullshit. <laughs> Sorry about that. You know? you know, you don't know what anybody needs or want. You need to ask them. You know, one of the things that I've done is I've brought thousands of people together, like at the Port of Singapore, and I did it for a, for a manufacturing company. And we do these large group edutainment events. And basically what we're doing is we're going for shared ownership of change. You know, what does it mean to be accountable? What does it mean to have, be committed? What does it mean to be an owner of this operation, you know, this organization? And what is it that I need? If you brought people together, and I, I don't mean it as a, a venting session, but you bring people together and you say, okay, here's the reality. This is the reality that they're going through. Okay, we recognize it. Now, what are your ideas for change? What is it that you need that could make a difference in your life? Because if you're feeling better, you're going to produce more for the organization. You'll be able to serve the greater good. You know, companies don't tend to do that. So for me, until they're willing to ask people, and don't give me a survey, which is just another thing I got to fill out. You know what I mean? This is just like, oh, no. You know, bring bring me together with my peers and all of you guys, we, ha we would have the leader sit on stage and we'd ask people three questions and they would come. Anybody who wanted to talk would come up to the mic and we'd say, what makes you sad? What makes you mad? What makes you glad? And people would say, you know, I'm really mad that I, you know, about the attendance policy. I'm really mad about, you know, whatever they're mad about, you know. I'm really sad that but after a while, as people empty out, they start saying positive things. I really want to thank this guy over here for really mentoring me and helping me. And, you know, I want to thank my peers. I want to, all of a sudden, you're on a positive high from the yes from a little bit of yes, takes you who knows where. But from no, there's nowhere to go. And if people have that no inside of them, that anger, that sadness, that, mm, you know, you can't get the full tilt boogie. You, yes, you're getting innovation that are coming from people's egos. You know, great, great. There are a lot of wonderful inventors out there. Great, you know. But now you want to live together. How do you live together? You know, your generation has this big question that you haven't even addressed yet, which is in these times of disruptive change with all this technology is happening, how do I maintain the best of what it means to be human? <laughs> Completely true. Like you said, uh, no, no, this, uh, there's a great quote um, is that all this technological innovation is built off the suppression of male sexuality um just like oh hey no i gotta work i gotta do this and this not expression of you know that uh yeah being this kind of uh non-social and going out and attacking people but again you pull you pulled it perfectly with that's where the ego comes in the ego is the one that's giving that innovation giving that inspiration but it blocks everybody off from actually connecting and knowing who the people are and i think we see definitely see that with with businesses with companies i mean with you know i think politics is a subset of that but 
You know, how, how do we understand people? Oh, we're going to give them all this stuff, but we don't know what's going to bring the best out of them. We're not going to all know how to actually live together and to yeah. work together in the same place or to even, you know, love each other. Because I think the, the self-love is the thing that's missing most. And yeah. guilty number one right here of not giving the self-love. I mean, I, I used to be a joke calling uh, self a, a emotional terrorist. And it was a joke, but I mean, you, you just can't even say that because, you, you know, the thing about thought is the more you say it, the more you start believing it. I know. And it's like, oh, wow, I, I'm actually doing this to myself now. I'm actually holding myself hostage from, you know, taking in, um, you know, love from the people around me, taking in, you know, appreciation, you know, good times, happiness. And, you know, because that strangled. I know you asked me before my podcast, where does that come from? And I know exactly where it comes from. It's like. At such a young age, I was able to say, hey, watching these tapes of Michael Jordan, this is the guy who is the best at basketball. He is this because he's this, the craziest competitor ever to play. If I do that and I embody that, I can be that. And, you know, that, that ego has been able to mask and seen success by doing that and, you know, put, working in such these high-stress, high-level situations – and to be able to outwork, but I mean, it's been the biggest deterrence of connecting with people and connecting with people is my job. And I want to talk and I think communication is such an important thing, but, you know, finding ways to thank myself and be appreciative of the things that I've done, things to do and be able to find the balance of, Hey, this is the time we need that ego. This is the time we need the big S to come yeah. back. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I agree with you. I understand what you're saying. I think um, you know, when I talk about self-love, self-love has many components. So when I talk about self-love, I'm saying loving the essence of myself, loving that those particles of creation, loving that I am part of this oneness, you know, that's who I truly am. Okay, now, to get, to actually get that from, so that it's not just an idea I do my energy stuff. I get into my mind body and then I open up into something bigger so I can have begin to have tastes of that. Okay. Then I need to actually look at what does love mean? That's the self. What does love mean? Okay. So love, you know, love is a noun. It's a vibrational field that I step into. And just like you say, it's a two beat. So I can give it out, I can bring it in, just like the waves. It goes out, it comes in. You know, and I touch myself here because if you look, what happens to people is when they got hurt in childhood, they do this, or they do this, so nothing comes in. You know, they tighten this, right? But as you start breathing, sending your love out, bringing your love in, sending it out, this starts softening. Okay, now... Love is also a verb. So it's about self-care. What do I do to self-care? How do I create boundaries for myself? You know, do I take downtime for myself? You know, what do I do to care for myself? It's about self-compassion. So I don't get that job I want. I, I messed up. I said something stupid. You know, instead of beating myself up, you know, can I... Be that loving mother to myself and say, hey, honey, it's okay. We all are that way sometimes. Okay, live and learn. Okay, next time you'll step into a bigger thing or you'll pause or you'll whatever. Okay, 
Another thing about self-love is it's about self-trust. There is no self-trust unless I'm embodied. Otherwise, it's all ego stuff. I am the smartest. I am the, you know, I'm going to quote who that was, but, you know, right? You know, it's actually your intuition, the self-trust. That's where you get self-trust from. Self-acceptance, self-value, you know, to recognize that at whatever stage you're in, whether you make, you know, buku bucks or whether you, uh, whether you're just getting by, you have value. The value that you bring, it might be just in the smile that you give to somebody or the way that you support a friend or whatever it is that you do. You know, it's value. This self, this, this being that is uniquely me. See, see, you can't be anybody else. Everybody else is taken. All you got is this, <laughs> right? So this is a value. There's no mistake here. There's no mistake. It's beautiful. It's unique. You just need to get to know it. Because you got all these levels of all these people that put this stuff on you and your ego and right. You need to just clean the house, get, get bigger, open up, find out who this thing is, right? That's the self-acceptance and value. And then there's self-empowerment. You know, that's not this. Mm, I'm so great, you know. It's self-empowerment where you can actually live your truth. You can stand in your integrity. You're whole. You're not, you're not, you know, I used to date this guy that, that, that um, he had a landscaping company, very successful landscaping company. And one day he says to me, oh, what he does is he has his workers. There was like these pointed leaves on, on this particular bush. And he has his workers cut the corners of it so it looks like, a Chinese palm as opposed to what it was, you know? And he was so proud of that because if he were to buy the Chinese palms for people, it would have cost him more money. So he was saving his money. He thought, and people thought they were getting Chinese palms, but he was really duping them. The guy didn't have integrity. That's not smart business. You know, he didn't have integrity. And he showed that later on, you know? When you have self-empowerment, you are so connected. Your feet are so not just on the ground. They are in the ground like a tree. You know, your roots are just spread out 360 degrees around you. You are radiating like the sun. You know, your presence is here with whatever qualities you emanate that make you uniquely you. You know, it's your self-empowerment. You're able to speak your truth. You don't need to force anybody else to believe your truth. You just need to speak it, stand it. Mm. That's self-love. Isn't it ironic that the person with the biggest ego is the person leading us right now? And that <laughs> who, like, claim that you know, our ego isn't in control is, you know, it's kind of, you know, kind of like that reflection of, you know. That's right. You know, I, I. Seeing in ourselves, it's right there in front of us now. I think you're absolutely right on. I think that, you know, I mean, I think that his soul chose this. He has a purpose. Yeah. He is showing us the shadow side of ourselves. Remember, when you point the finger at somebody else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. There's nothing in him that isn't in me. He's just playing it this big. Maybe I play it this big. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? But, but he's just showing that. You know, he's me. We're all one. He's me. So I think that 
you know, he, he shows us this so that we can maybe come in here. Maybe we can find the compassion. I, you know, I, the first day he was, I promised myself when he was elected that I would not let him steal my happy. That I would view from that neutral point, from that place, because I can't influence. I can't control that. All I can do is sit there with people. No, no, no. He's wonderful. He's terrible. He's wonderful. He's terrible. You know, I don't want to do that game. I have other things to do in my life. You know, that doesn't help anybody, myself or anybody else. So, okay, let's see. Let's trust. Evolutionarily, you know, from a bigger point of view, what is the purpose of him in this position? Where is he leading us? And, you know, remember the pendulum swing, everything to be, you know, so it goes this way, then it goes this way. But what we want to try to find is the center. And the more people that live in the center, the more we influence the outside world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you might not be able to control Washington, but you can control yourself. You can uh, forget the word control. That's the wrong word. You can shift into the center inside yourself and have a presence that influences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm supposed to go do a, a cleanup tomorrow um, around Los Angeles. Cause you know, it's pretty, pretty bad here. And um, I really hope, um, you know, there's a great way you put it. And, you know, people always ask me, you know, why, why do you, why are you going around town just talking with people? Why are you going around? Well, these are the people I live around. If anything, if I'm going to invoke and inspire some change, you know, it's going to be with the people that live closest to me. I want to know who these people are and I want to be able to connect with them. And, you know, the people that are so ingrained in politics, I'm like, have you gone to a city council meeting? Have you gone to the local ordinance of a new building? technically not even residents yet. I shouldn't be saying this over the thing, but like, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I still go to meetings around here. I'm going to a cleanup in Skid Row. I mean, needles on the ground, rats. It's, it's scary. I've seen some places around the world. It is scary to go through there, but you know, it's like, again, a strong look of like, this is reality. This is life. This is where we haven't found a place or these people haven't found a place in the society and civilization we've built. How do we build that place? Where is that, you know, that middle, that middle of the pendulum, where it can be. And it, you know, I, I, what I hope to do with all this stuff that I'm doing is, you know, is conversation, you know, I just want to talk with people I want to tell their stories and I want to show there's so many different ways to live life. There's so many perspectives to take in. You got yours and there's a, there's a place for that. And we have to find what value we have to give because value, there is value in what we have, but you know, figuring it out for yourself. I didn't even want to admit this because someone told me like, Oh, it's going to take you three years to figure out, you know, at least what your message is especially coming into this content creation and production space. And it's like, no, 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 I'm going to figure it out right away. I'll I'll do it right away. Don't worry. But it's really hard, you know, figuring out who you are and, you know, maybe not your purpose, but, you know, what you want your meaning to be and how you want to help people and what you want to do for people around you. Yeah. You know something? I think you're in the right place in the right time. First of all, I want to say that what you're doing is so important and so brilliant. I am so glad that I was smart enough to support you way back then. (laughs) You know, but the second thing, the second thing is, you see, as long as you can own it, this is what I want my message to be. It's your message. 
as soon as you go, I don't know what the message is. And I let it to begin to lead me and talk through me. And that's when the message is even deeper and more powerful. So you don't have to know because truthfully, it's going to keep evolving and changing. Mm -hmm. All you've got to do is have the courage to flow with it. That's the thing missing with my, you want to say the millennials, the generation, you know, is because we you talked about this in the business world that we have to continuously innovate and pivot and find these new innovative, you know, think on your toes, think on your feet that we revolve from so many jobs and things is that, um, you know, we feel that we lack the purpose that we lack meaning in our lives because it's been so easy to jump from one thing to another that to commit to something to, you know, believe in something is like, so it's almost like the counterculture now, like to even like, you know, want to reflect toward, you know, a religion and say, Oh, this is what I believe in these tenets and these values. And I start and I sacrifice and surrender myself to that. And I, I push upon that. You know, it's even like marriage and love, like, you know, going to a wedding is, is it's like, oh man, like, like I, it's like, okay, you're going to a wedding, da, 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 but when you get there, it's, it's a whole, whole, whole thing. You know, these two people decide to come together and give their lives and in front of all these people make this vow and commitment. It's like, oh, wow, I never really looked at weddings this way and like love this way. And I'm not there yet. <laughs> this is but you gain so much more appreciation, you know, going to this thing, even before going to the thing, I was like, ah, we're just going to a wedding. It'd be a good celebration. Like, wow, this is, this is life. This is beautiful. So I don't know, maybe it's cause there's maybe a little less of that, or I haven't experienced that for myself. It's like, wow, like, that, there's just so much more of an appreciation to have when there may be a little bit less of, you know, love and marriage and relationships than the normal. Or so if people can find, if they can stick to something, if they can, you know, like I said, okay, you're going to fail. This is not going to happen the right way, but we've got to break through that. We've got to keep growing on that. And that's the thing I think with my generation that we, that we miss out on because we have the ability to jump to so many different things. It's not like your father going to you and say, get a career or get married. That's it. You got to do this. Like, oh, well, you know, screw you. You know, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go do this today because I can take on this new job and I can go find this grant and go to school and study this. And like the, the, the possibilities are so there, but if you can commit to something, if you can believe in something and stick your, put your foot down in it, you're, there's going to be so much more to it. Yeah. You know, I think the first thing is you can't commit to anything out there until you commit to yourself. It's just not going to have the lasting power, you know? And even when you begin to commit to yourself, that's your inner journey. So there's this thing of like, Oh, okay. So choose. Okay. What do you want to be? I want to be a basketball coach. That's what I'm going to be. Okay, I'm going to be a psychologist. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a, wait a second. I look back in my life, you know, I was a teacher. I had employee assistant stuff. I was consultant, worked in corporations. I, you know, I, I mean, I, I, it's like, no, I didn't go to being a nuclear scientist and I didn't go to, um, you know, selling, I don't know, you know, doing technology or whatever. That's not who Amy is. But Amy changed jobs throughout her life. Right now, I'm at a point in my life, I'm going, what's next? You know, what is it that I want in this part of my life? I'm, in, I'm better than I ever was. You know, meaning that 
I'm more connected with myself than I ever was. I have more wisdom, more experience than I ever had before. I, you know, I'm, sh I'm in my own shoes in a deeper way than I've ever been. Now my contribution can come out better. But there's this myth that you pick one thing and then you stick with it. No, no. It's like you're never going to be a nuclear scientist. You're not going to, you know, and no. Don't say, don't say I'll never do that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tempted to try and do it. I mean, I don't get it, pal. You know, if you do, hey, great, I was wrong. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but there is this curiosity that you have. I mean, yes, it looks like basketball to what you're doing is a leap. But in a sense, it wasn't because you were you not only played. The next step was you taught. And you actually got into the heads of the kids, right? To be able to coach them in a way. And, you know, you weren't, you weren't just teaching them, this is how you dribble. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you were doing more with them. Okay, so now for you to be doing this podcast and looking at people's stories, and because you kind of got into your own question of what is your story? Okay, and what are all these stories around? Okay, now you took it to the next level, you know? You, you've been in the right place at the right time. It keeps changing, transforming. All our lives are that way, you know? My, I have a goddaughter, and when I met her at 16, she didn't know what she wanted to do, and, you know, she ended up um, uh, going and being a nurse's aide, and, um, you know, then she thought she might want to go into massage school, then she thought she might want to go, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, and she spent a lot of years in her 20s, not quite sure what she wanted to be. And now she's landed in this dental office and she's, you know, she helps in the lab, but she also runs the dental office, you know, and she is, her power is coming out now and she's doing, making more money than she ever made and she's doing really well, you know. She said to me, because she has a 16-year-old daughter, she said, I don't want her to go through what I went through. I want her to know what she wants to be. So she doesn't waste those years. And I think, no, no, no. Those years were important to explore and to find yourself, you know? So, now, you know, I, I, I think that we need to give ourselves a break. Find the thread in all of those jobs. Find the thing that, that really touched your passion, your interest, you know, that made you happy when you were doing it. That's what you're supposed to do. The, the job itself is just the, is just the envelope of it. Do you know what I mean? The shell of it. So well said. So your book, Stress Life, book. Achieve More. Yeah. I've read it. I own it. <laughs> Where can people find it? And, you know, where can also people find more about you? Where can they connect with you more? Because, like, yeah. you know, a lot of this stuff is more, it, it's more, there's so much more to it than just a book. There's so much more to it than, you know, eating healthy and doing these things. And, you know, coaching, I, you know, I'm just the biggest proponent of these coaching sessions and, you know, connecting with somebody because there's always something that you're not going to be able to see. And there's always something you're not going to be able to understand about who you are and what's going on. You don't need someone to tell you that, but you need to find a way for that person to show you the, what the things you need to see or point you in the direction on the journey, like you said, that we're on. So, you know, how can people get the book and if they want more, what can they do with that? Yeah. 
The book is um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any major retailer you can get the book. And this is Stress Less, Achieve More, and it's in English, Mandarin, and Arabic. <laughs> and um, it was just voted one of 17 inspiring books to read this summer by Thrive Global. So that was very nice, you know. And you can go to my website. I have a, a, the website of the book is www.stresslessachievemore.com. And you'll see some practices you can do and, you know, some interesting stuff about what pressure is and all of that. The book itself, the way that the book is written is within each chapter, there are individual practices or exercises you can do. And then there's practices you can do with your team if you choose to do that. Um, in terms of getting in touch with me, if you want to do coaching with me, for example, go to open www.openmindadventures, it has an S, adventures.com www.openmindadventures.com. That's my that's my um, corporate uh, website, and you'll see you know what I do if you want to bring me into your organization. <laughs> but also there's a um, there's a sign in thing, an email sign in thing that'll pop up as soon as you get to the site, and if you put that in, you know, you narrow my email list. And if you want to contact me, there's a thing a way that you can contact me, you know, on the menu bar. Um, what I'm, I'm in my own transition right now. So I'm just beginning to start putting things out. I've been doing these summits, interview summits, you know, lately. Um, and now I'm going to be doing some online training and offering some classes online. So if you have a desire for any of that, you know, I want to do something on self-love. I want to do something on transitions because I think people are going through life transitions right now. And I think it's important to know where you are so that you don't make yourself crazy, you know, just accept this is where I'm at and it's going to change, you know. Um, so just just get in touch with me and um, we'll talk, you know, and um, don't worry about, you know, I mean, I'm interested in serving people, uh, you know, so yes, I have a fee that I charge and, you know, I'd like people to honor that. And if you can't quite make the fee, talk to me about it and we'll work something out, you know, cause I want people to move ahead. Guys, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. And I know we have a lot of Arab listeners because we used to live in Kuwait and I know a bunch of you still listen to the show cause I can see it on the, the downloads. So there, there's no limit to how you can connect with people. There are zoom calls, there are Skype calls. You can have a yeah. set anywhere in the world and you can get this book anywhere in the world you are it's not banned it's not a place you can buy it it's in mandarin it's, you can get it in china it's yeah. in arabic get in the middle east arabic <laughs> mandarin <laughs> of course she's not doesn't have any because she has no sleeves in the photo we can't put her photo there but again <laughs> don't you look at my arbs. arms <laughs> haram it's big haram so guys, make sure you try and connect with Amy. She's incredible. Helped me through a big transition in my life. And because I'm constantly transitioning, I'm due for a lesson and session with her myself. So please, please go check it out. There's going to be a bunch of stuff in the show notes. If you're seeing this or listening to this on here or you're watching this on YouTube, there's going to be places on social media to see little bit snippets of this show. And there'll be links to connect with Amy through there. 
And maybe we'll be doing a giveaway. I'm going to talk with her after the show, ways we can bring it, more people to come connect with her and find out all her amazing gifts and um, disabilities that she has. So again, guys, thank you for tuning into the show. Remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Go hit the like button, share this stuff. And yeah, get out there and love yourself. Love yourself so you can get, you can take in more love from the world and the people around you. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Thank you for listening on here. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Go ahead and leave us a five-star review. It is the currency of podcasts. It lets people know about this show. It lets people know how they can find this show and if this show is good or not. It's all on you guys. I don't have this without an audience. The hundred countries that this show is listened to don't have this without you all listening. So thank you so much. And lastly, we have merchandise. If you want to support this show, there's merchandise to go by the show. We have, I have so much fucking content. <laughs> I'm on the bus t-shirts. We have off the bus t-shirts. If you're not on the bus, all that is over at busdriverproductions.com. There's pictures of it. There's links to buy it. And I get a small commission from those shirt sales. So thank you guys for who has purchased so far and send me a picture and join the bus movement. And that's a long wrap up in Shik. So thank you again, Amy, for tuning in. And thank you guys, everybody else for tuning in. Have a great day. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah. This is the moment uh, for those who...